Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone else who's here, but not here, but even more here. Yes, that's you listening. Welcome to Dismembering Horror, episode 161, chugging along here of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, That's right. We dismember a horror film here at Dismembering Horror. Every week, in fact, we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a, you guessed it, horror film. And we do that. Well, in addition to how I just said, we're, uh, we're, we're on the hunt for things we haven't seen, things we haven't seen for a while, We're hoping to always dig up the gold. Sometimes we get silver. Sometimes we get bronze. Sometimes we get something that's not even a precious mineral. I don't know what, but it's all part of the adventure. Because what would the adventure be if it just was all gold? There wouldn't be any adventure. (laughs) And today, (laughs) unless there's anything else. Actually, I did want to say something else before we jumped into today's film, Tim. Oh, yeah? It's just, you know, when I'm listening back to the episodes... And I'm always, you know, wishing I said something better or whatever. Um, Most of the times I let it go. But this one is just like such a, it just said it so well, the point that I was trying to get at, but I was having difficulty doing in our last episode, Candyman, the new Candyman. And I was trying to get into describing how like, what was so creepy about it is when you have a supernatural entity that no matter how much you define it, or you can, or the more you define it, the more unknown it actually is, you know? Yeah. And I went on a lot more to try to, to define what that is. But I just, just to point it out, he said it in the trailer so well, what I was trying to get at, what the movie did so well. It's just that line in the trailer when he says, Candyman isn't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. Like, that's such a good line. Because like, the whole damn high, like we get what that means, but it's such like a non-literal thing, you know? It's like talking about what The Shining is. It's great. So there you go, Tim. The whole damn hive. (laughs) Ain't that the (laughs) truth. Such a good line. Such a good film. And we have a very different sort of film for everyone today. We had a request that, you know, I was feeling too. Just we should do some more of those, you know, 30s, 40s horror classics. And we haven't done anything we've from uh, you know, the official series of universal like monster horror films. We have Black Cats, a universal picture, and we did the body snatcher, I don't think was universal. Um but anyway, we're getting two of them with this episode because we covered Frankenstein, or we're about to cover Frankenstein meets the Wolfman from 1943. And that includes both Lon Chaney Jr. as who originated the Wolfman role 
in uh, so this is the sequel to The Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. and is the fifth Frankenstein movie with <laughs> Bella Lugosi, who's famous for playing Dracula as the Frankenstein monster, but who also previously appeared in the earlier Frankenstein movies as Igor. So, <laughs> oh, right, that's right. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Right. Oh my God. But anyway, wasn't we'll, we'll, Lon we'll, Chaney also? Didn't he play the 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 monster at one point? Yes, I think we'll we'll save all that for things of note because it gets confusing. It's, it's confusing. <laughs> exactly, and you're only going to be maybe even more confused. Just kind of like what I said that line um, in the Candy Man. The more you describe it, the more confusing it actually gets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much like that. Uh, well, yeah, it sounds like. You're good to jump into it too here, Tim, right? Yeah. All right. Then let's jump right in, as I said, with our trailer. So from 1943, uh, well, let's see who, who even made this thing. Directed by Roy William Neal with a screenplay by Kurt Siodmak. Here we go. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. doesn't understand. There's a curse upon me. I change into a wolf. Listen to me, Frank. I saw my father become obsessed by his power. He died a horrible death. There's no need for us all to storm after her. She'll come in if I ask her. Why should we treat her so fancy? She's a Frankenstein. There we have it, folks. There we have it, Tim. (laughs) All right. So, per our rating system, I'd love to know what we all think. Would we tell ourselves to avoid this film, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Who do you want to go first, Tim? You can go first, Ryan. Tim, this is most certainly a box set buy. I've always wanted to get, like, my own... uh, you know, the Blu-ray box set of all these universal monster films. There's uh, a 4K box set coming out of just like the four main original ones. So now I'm waiting to see if they're going to release all that way. And on loan, I've had for years from our friend Peter Warden, the DVD set of it all. So I've been, (laughs) that's where I watched this from. And I've been slowly working my way through it uh, over the years. But you know, even... I don't know. Even as a, a standalone, I'd be I'd be happy to own this film. This just like totally gets at everything I love about these old these old Universal monster movies. It, I mean, I'll just I'll just start to list them in the you know in the the what works section that we have. But I can say that sheer like fun wise, and it's even just for like a a couple moments and maybe it's okay because the movie's just show so short 
But like, I was probably the most excited I've ever been watching anything we've watched, watching the, at the, our big ending where they finally fight, you know? Like, so for that alone, I got to give it some credence. And just plus everything that we've already talked to, you know, about with this, these older films holds true for that. That just the, the atmosphere, the acting, just, you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I can't think of any sort of more in summary things to say about it. Maybe you'll prompt me. So I'll just, I guess, save what else I have for our what worked section. How about you? Interesting. So sorry, buy it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I took this movie differently. I just was, I was like mildly underwhelmed by it. I think that like, I'll, I'll try to explain later why that might be, but, um, I was pretty medium on it. I thought there, I mean, there's cool stuff, but it didn't quite rise cinematically. If I can use a vague term such as that to what I kind of was hoping for. So maybe that's my fault. I went in with higher expectations. Um, Funny because, you know, it is just a word, but the cinematic appeal is, uh, is what I was surprised by with this and what did work for me. Okay. And um, maybe another in summary way I can put it to what worked. I feel like this is just at the sort of pinnacle where they've been making these movies for 10 years, but it's right before they introduce Abbott and Costello to them. And that sort of like, you know, mm. becomes the sort of spoofing itself thing. So I feel like they're, they're just, this is just from an era, the forties era of these films where they've hit a pretty solid stride. Like, Sorry, I kind of interrupted you. Did you have anything else on... You, you didn't even get to your rating. <laughs> well, that's... I'm conflicted because I think, you know, there's cool stuff in it and it's not... I mean, it's not bad, but, like, I think part of the problem for me is that I'm, like, I am automatically comparing it to the older films and... I don't know. It's like it's like un, undue criticism of it in in comparison to those. So I I'm torn. I'm all, I'm really just a rent for it. I it, it definitely does not feel like a buy to me and because of essentially what I just said. And also yeah, there, I'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, I I hear you. I, and I think like the I wanted to kind of just talk about broadly like some of the universal horror monster movies and we can each go like kind of our relation to them and whatnot. But as you were saying, like why the originals are maybe, you know, the bias for you, I can mm-hmm. definitely relate to that as far as those, like we always say, the original is going to have some kind of more weight to it. Like they're going to have that depth. The, the horror is going to be that much, I don't know more. They They were capturing a kind of, magic there more so let's say so this really is for me like the this is the godzilla versus kong versus the just godzilla you right know? right yeah <laughs> which in itself is still going to be a buy it for me because you know it's godzilla versus kong it's frankenstein meets, meets the wolfman so so what it may be lacking in that kind of depth that the originals have it just sort of makes up for it in uh, other areas that's fair yeah. And um yeah, so like 
how, where are you at with these movies? Like, do you have a favorite uh, monster? Do you have a favorite series? Because I feel like those are different things. Like, how do you maybe sort of rank them? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I think as a kid in particular, I was really partial to the original Wolfman. Um, maybe that's part of my issue, too, is that I'm just like, this isn't that. Um, but like I recently, semi recently rewatched the creature from the Black Lagoon. And as cool as I think that movie is visually, I was kind of underwhelmed. Um, the original Dracula, I think, is actually it, it when you when I go back and watch it, I'm like, oh, kind of boring. Uh, the original Frankenstein, I think, still as a like standalone, is the best movie of all of them. And honestly, I'm not sure I ever saw the Mummy. Maybe, but I I don't know. I don't I don't really remember it. It's uh, it's Bella Lugosi, right? <clears throat> Wait, sorry, no, no, the Mummy's Boris Karloff. Oh, right. Yes, that of course. That's actually who I meant. Um, and yeah, I, I know I've seen Bride of Frankenstein and I know a lot of people think that that's the superior movie. I can, I can get behind that argument. Um, I'm still partial to the original. I think the original just sort of, there's something about it. And I think, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like they... They're right on the verge of jumping the shark for me with this one, where it almost feels, um, I hate to say it, but it almost feels slapped together. Now, I don't think the performances indicate that, but all in all, I don't know. I'm well, it's a, it, it was a weird one. <laughs> you, so I'll you be a rat. I'll in- say rent. It's it's worth watching, but I'm having weird like personal feelings about it. Well, let's let's great. That's that's where you are, Thorinda. I was just asking about your relationship to all the other films. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's rent it for you. I'm um. It's I feel like my favorite. Something really clicked with me about the Invisible Man series. Like I oh, think right. that was the Invisible like Invisible Man. God. <laughs> I feel like those were the strongest movies overall in the way. But again, it's sort mm. of like I don't have a clear fit. It sort of depends on what what aspect we're talking about. Cause like, yeah. like you, I think all the originals are maybe like the eeriest or really have something going for them. But then like you said, Dracula, it can be a little slow or the total, like the lack of music can get to you kind mm. of thing has been my <laughs> yeah, experience with right. it. But like the mummy, I remember liking the second and third one way better than the first one. And okay. as monsters, like I've, I've, werewolves I was huge on as a kid, but I never liked the more flat-faced Wolfman design. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I love sure. the atmosphere in the Wolfman original and everything that sort of surrounds the Wolfman movie. Um, the Frank- Frankenstein was never, like, I love, probably, like, Dracula is my favorite monster-wise, just as far as Dracula in himself. Yeah, But, yeah, I agree. I like the Frankenstein movie more. So it's just kind of, like... I'm all over the place. Um, but I love them all for whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah, I almost... It, there's a part of me that thinks that, like... Maybe this is totally untrue, but 
there's a part of me that feels like the the best way to get into these is as a collection like grabbing individual films in so far in my experience and just sort of cherry picking i end up walking away kind of like underwhelmed i'm kind of like oh that wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be or remembered it as or whatever but i feel like if you put them in a, in a collection and you kind of do like some sort of marathon it's going to be it just feels like it's going to be better to me. That's exactly what I'm doing and I've been loving it. Like going in yeah. chronological order because then you're you're sort of, I don't know, you're sort of sk- skipping around but then you remember. And this, the fun thing about these movies, you know, I'm always a sucker for both continuity and lack thereof. Like in the Friday the 13th <laughs> movies where yeah. it's like, okay, great. You know, they carried forward these things from the one before it, but like completely ignored this aspect or like literally reversed this aspect or whatever. (laughs) And like the actors are all over the place. Like you'll have the same actor playing like three different parts in the first three of this. Like, so, but all that's part of the charm, you know? Yeah. They kind of are made in an era when people weren't thinking of that. They were going to see these movies a second time in a way, unless they were, you know, given a re-release. This is way, way before any kind of home video market. Great. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, well, there you have it. The end. All right. (laughs) And the beginning of How About a Summary, because that's next on our docket. All right. Um, Okay, here we go. Uh, Let's see. It's like four or five years after the Wolfman movie. Um, And... These two dumbasses <laughs> break into <laughs> break into the Wolfman's tomb. Uh, what's his name? Larry Talbot. Larry. Larry. Yep. Yeah. Lawrence or Larry. Both. Are That's there. right. So they break in there. They they're like, oh, this guy was rich. Let's you know, grave robbers. And they open the 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 tomb up or the casket, whatever. And he's covered in wolf's bane, and his body has not decayed at all. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. Grab his ring anyway. And of course, the their stupidity brings him, you know, the moonlight hits him and he comes back from, well, he's not really even dead, I guess. He can't die. Um, but they, they re- revive him. And he kills him. Um, and escapes. He gets out of, and he's on the loose. Of course, the coolest thing I think about Wolfman is that it really is sort of this Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? Like he kind of knows to a degree, he knows who he is and what's going on and it's tragic for him, right? Just like at the end of the last movie, it's super tragic, right? Like he gets killed by his own father and his father then has to like realize that, the monster that he killed was his son all along, right? That's that's terrifying and and sad and all that. So I really like the character for for all of that. Um, but in this case, he's you know he kind of he hits him. He gets hit on the, on the noggin and he wakes up himself, but kind of has a little little amnesia action going on. And the doctors take him in, uh, and the police question him and everything. So there's this whole thing about like. He can't be Larry Talbot because Larry Talbot is dead. So he's just having this delusion. But then people start, he, you know, people start dying because he's escaping and becoming the wolfman and, and killing people in town. 
And this sets him off on this journey of like, well, I've heard that there's a guy who was really good with with uh, science stuff. So let me go track him down. And that guy is is Ludwig Frankenstein. And he goes to the town. Uh, he, well, he finds a gypsy. Uh, he goes from to the, the original town. his buddy Minerva. Right. Minerva, of course. M- Maleva. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maleva, not Minerva. Yeah. Same difference. Um, so they head to, um, oh, what's the name of the town again? I forget. Doesn't matter. Um, go to Frankensteinville. Fra- Frank- Frankenstein Frankensteinstown. Frankenstein City, yeah. <laughs> um, so they go there, and the, I think one of the cooler scenes, he... Um, he gets to, you know, they've uh, obviously Frankenstein's castle is is in ruins from from being burnt to the ground. And he he goes in search anyway because he wants it. He wants uh, Frankenstein's notes. And he kind of he falls into the ruins, like into the sub chambers of the ruins. And it's all iced over. Um, and he comes upon Frankenstein's monster uh encased in ice which is i think a really cool dichotomy to having presumably died in the fire um and he breaks him out because he's like who's this bro and then frankenstein's monster kind of helps him find frankenstein's notes or tries to help him but it's unsuccessful and then then they they just kind of like go their separate ways um and talbot goes he's continuing his search he finds frankenstein's daughter uh tries to get her to give him the note a a frankenstein's daughter it's unclear it could be the original frankenstein's Oh, that's true. Yeah, I kind of just assumed it was a daughter, but you're right. There's sort of this vagary about, like, time. Yeah, because it's, uh, in Son of Frankenstein, it's about Frankenstein's son, and that came two films before this. Okay, that's fair. before this was Ghost So we don't know. She is either Frankenstein's, the original Frankenstein's (laughs) daughter or granddaughter. Yeah, I guess that's true, because it does, in the Wikipedia, it calls her a descendant. Her name is Elsa. (laughs) Elsa. okay so that's fair yeah it's not as it's some somebody it's a frankenstein um and you know she's first like you know get out of here and then um the doctor who originally treated larry has tracked him down and they kind of all they coalesce and they're like hey you know let's let's figure this out maybe we can maybe we can help you and maybe we can rid this town of frankenstein's monster who's tromping around and you know generally just being frankenstein-y monstery um interrupting parties and such and then the town of course is like screw these guys we hate everybody let's just blow up the dam and and flood the castle and kill everybody i mean meaning the frankensteins and the wolfmans and the etc cetera, etc cetera. and so they basically do that and the doctor gets a little obsessive he's really fascinated with frankenstein's monster and they set up this experiment to sort of oh how would you put it he's like wants to drain the life the the curse uh, from 
Larry of the Wolfman through the electrical something something and and bubbling brew and whatever. It's right. very Larry's convinced. You know, since he can't die of uh, normal means, he has to have like the life sucked out of him. So <laughs> right. th- that's basically then what this doctor's trying to help both him by killing him through sucking the life out of him, as well as put an end to Frankenstein's monster finally by doing the same to him. But then I guess he decides to do the opposite of that by instead of doing that to the monster, like he decides to juice up the monster. Right. And of course they, they, well, the monster gets loose and then Larry turns into the wolf man and he gets loose and then they have a real punch, punch him up um, while the place is flooding, but then the place floods and that's the, the end. And that is the end. Like it, like these movies do they just end like great place <laughs> yeah, is flooded right. great castle's gone flooded the end comes up <laughs> like that's it <laughs> forget about our other characters not important no denouement yeah there's no uh there's no denouement so to speak right it's like you came to see the monsters fight and now they got flooded so it's over bye they're like we'll give you 72 minutes no more no less yeah which i appreciate um great all right tim fine telling i'm sure we'll uh paint even a better picture or more of a picture i should say as we get into our next section here and further sections so you ready for that oh yeah here we go what worked what worked worked for you what worked for you it worked like a charm smith what worked I mean, with our just this movie was off to the races for me, Tim, (laughs) with the opening scene, classic like graveyard, universal monsters, horror film graveyard with like a panning shot. So it's not just like our limited scope. It's just like we're in it with these two and they're grave robbers. They're straight up grave robbers. (laughs) It's so good. So just everything about that mood, that set piece that they're grave robbers, like check, 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 check. But then even what I think is so much fun, it's kind of like, you know, again, comparing to other, you know, our, 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 our slasher films that have gone on for movies and movies like how does Jason get revived each time there's it's just so much fun like even it's something that you might kind of forget about or whatever it's a detail that I love and this one I just thought was so smart like it's not just because it's simple but it just seems like such a sort of like logical what if like okay they kind of made a point in the last one that he's buried with his ring or whatever so if we know that that becomes that becomes part of the lore so okay yeah you'd imagine in this time there are grave robbers they might they'd probably get wind of that and be like let's let's steal his jewelry it all clicked and made sense so for just those fun inciting incident story reasons as well as just the everything else you want from one of these movies started off with a bang for me and pretty soon after that it's turning into a wolf man already it was great yeah i agree with all of that um it is a smart setup it's got that kind of like oh we know what's we know what's coming it's always fun to watch the clueless you know, grave robbers in this case bumble their way into, you know, hell essentially. 
<laughs> like yeah. just just screwing it up for everybody. Yeah, get killed, boom bada boom. Yeah, uh, that all I liked quite a lot. Um I also was kind of surprised at how intense Lon Chaney Jr. is. Dude, let's talk about him next because you bet I've got stuff. Like, r- like to me, that was kind of the thing that jumped out. It's like right away, he is just a, a billion percent going full bore. Well, it's talking about continuation from the last one where his was sort of that acceptance of, you know, like you said, the Jekyll Hyde thing. I contain this evil. Therefore, he just, you know, accepts not wanting to exist. Yeah. So... So that was just so smart to have him. His basically his thrust, it's so clear, and he plays it so well just from the get go of like his motivation is to re die, is to is to die with even more finality finality than he did last time. But then kind of so like that's fun in the story sense that that's just that's his motivation. We got it. That's what he's working on. But then like what you're saying, the way he performs that, it's just like he's carrying that weight of what his repercussions are, you know, of he's at risk of killing anyone and he's as suitably stressed as what should be in that. And you, it feels like he's just sort of sweating and intense the whole time. And he just does that so well. I love it. Man. I love his outbursts. There's yeah, (laughs) they're so good. Like the fight when, when the orderlies try to like calm him down and everything, it's so good. He's got a yeah. cinder block for a head. I mean, man, that guy's head is huge. <laughs> it's He's, crazy. You know, no this wonder that does... like, he had been the monster previously, um, right? And but yeah, kinda... he's really going for it, and I think that that carries most of the movie for me. Um, I mean, not just his his performance itself, but the type he is. He's actually like kind of a head scratcher of a lead. Like when you think of for the Wolf Man, he's not like. Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. He's not the typical leading man type. Like, you know, we have the other doctor characters who are like the more like the handsome ones, the ones who are like set up as the clear romance with the the, the woman that always happens. Uh, he's He's got this like really affable kind of everyman quality to him that's kind of like coupled with his just the the his he does have a kind of like large weight and demeanor but like that that friendly giant kind of like archetype i don't know just that kind of like the person you want to root for who's like super empathetic in a way um might be prone to outbursts also <laughs> because he cares <laughs> so much he cares yeah. so much uh he's so, very yeah. like an a big old like Aw shucks guy. Yeah. But he's not exactly. doing that thing. But right. But he's just still, he's just that person though, you know? So just him being that him that his casting, it's just a neat choice. And but works so well with someone who's a, you know, the reluctant murderer, you could say. <laughs> the reluctant <laughs> like, murderer. Someone who that, seems like he wouldn't want to. Yeah, someone who wouldn't want to seems like he wouldn't want to hurt anyone who's only empathetic and aw shucks, but like is going to only kill people when the full moon gets him. <laughs> so just both interesting and fun and appropriate casting on his part. And as you said, his performance is great. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Uh, Tortured. 
<laughs> yes, very tortured. And I mean, just kind of like round out our cast here. I love how it ends up like our our hodgepodge team of heroes that we kind of get together by the end. Like we have, we got uh, we got Larry working with um, the Frankenstein, you know, played by Bella Lugosi. Then we have Frankenstein's daughter or granddaughter. Then we have the gypsy woman, Maleva. And then we got the the doctor guy and like maybe that that mayor character, you know, who's in all these movies. Um, that actor. It's just it's just, just like a fun, like little like we gotta we gotta save the day troop that they assemble by then. The ragtag troop. I was just getting such a kick out of all of them together. It was fun. Agreed. Well, should I just keep going here? <laughs> this yeah, you like, should. Okay. <laughs> um also, just like the you know about promise of the premise, kind of almost fan service feeling stuff, but that you forget you're gonna get in these movies is just when like the worlds themselves cross over is so much fun because like we have the the Wolfman world that's like the God, what would you say like the the, the more like London set with the gypsies on the outskirt, kind of mm-hmm. like. Uh, Kind of like those those kind of police officers. It's it's all got a certain feel, you know. The the graveyards right there, the sort of like cobblestone streets, like all that. Maybe those specifics carry forth too. But but then the Frankenstein world is the more like Germanic. Uh, I I don't know. It's just got a different. It's just got a gift different tactileness and different um, just just the setting, I guess. So to have those those worlds meet of when Larry and <laughs> Maleva travel together to Frankensteinville. It's just like this this great combining of worlds to have them them in this town talking to people who we know are just clear Frankenstein town people. I just it's getting such a fun kick out of that. Okay, well you're just staying quiet, so you want me to keep going. All that I loved. Okay, <laughs> I guess other overall things. Uh, God, how it's shot, Tim. It's just like, I was so in love with not just like, the, we talked about the setting, and um, but the, the overall look, whether it's the sort of deep shadow play that's happening, uh, the, the moving camera where it's like, got like where you have the first time, or I guess the second time, but the time when he, at the beginning when he's in the hospital and the moonlight comes in and reaches him, it's like the camera creeps with this sort of flowy lighting of the moonlight on the ground till it reaches him. Uh, or we have like, when we transition into, well, we transition, it's once they've gotten to the town and he's like, kills that first woman as the wolf man. And then we like cut to the town and it's this shot like a close up of a light on a lamp post. And it feels like it could just be a shot that's like an establishing shot. Then we cut to something else. But it's so cool. It like tells this story. We're on the lamp post. We see the street. The lights turn on. Then all of a sudden, next to it versus cutting away. And then the camera does like a, a jib down. And all of a sudden, we're with the townspeople walking up, carrying the woman. It's just really cool. It's a lot of fun, like moving tracking shots in this. And then just on the, the inverse side, so many cool, more still shots of just kind of like what we were talking about in the 31 Jekyll and Hyde. But I'd say even more so with this of just really neat like framings using both like the objects in the space, 
Uh, mm-hmm. as well as then the shadows being cast by those objects or people. Just really, really fun framing things going on in this that just kept me like, uh, yeah, just engaged throughout. Even if it wasn't like the sort of highlights of the beginning, middle, and end, which I say are the clear highlights. Um, I don't know whether it was just how it was shot or he turns into Wolfman plenty of times. I was always, uh, yeah, that was always something going on. But yeah, kind of yes. like as I said, I think the beginning, middle, end, or the strongest just sort of like the, the linchpins of our films. You know, I was geeking out about the grave robber scene, just our, our start to the film. And then we have this centerpiece. You know I loved it, Tim. <laughs> and it's now you know what I'm talking about. Like what I said in Night of the Demons, I said, what is it whenever there's one of these scenes in a movie, Tim, I'm going to love it. And you were like trying to guess it. Do you remember what it is now? People dancing. <laughs> yep, a song and dance scene, Tim. <laughs> so, oh my God, tra la 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 fa la la whatever it was. I was just having so much fun with that scene. And not just for the sake of the the song and dance number of it, it itself and the whole town putting it on, but in the context of this film in a horror movie, it just sort of works like, you know, in that same classic way they say it's important to have humor in horror films because then they'll, you know, blah, 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 makes the scary parts, blah, 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 builds the tension. It was exactly that where like underneath this joy and celebration, much like Larry Talbot's going through, you just know something's going to happen. Like this is just like, this is our high, high before things are going to really take a turn. So like you're getting caught up and watching it but then you know, you know, that's it's gonna it's gonna break or something. And how it did it, I was just so happy because I thought, you know, so they could have just that was the scene and they cut away and then things start to go dark. But just to have that scene filled with townspeople where the monster, the Frankenstein monster, literally shows up then and there doing his thing uh, for all the townspeople to freak out over. I mean, my God, just talk about like, the, you know, getting exactly what you want from uh, from these movies, from that scene. I was just so happy that, yes, if you're going to have this big old party dance tra-la-la scene, make, that's, that's when I want the monster to show up. <laughs> Yeah, I, li- I li- <laughs> like there's like four or five women who are dancing who sort of are like Lottie dying through and they like pass the Frankenstein's monster and they're as they're dancing, they're all like, oh, 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 no. And they like just <laughs> carry on like pass them like, oh, look out. Someone that goes, really ah, then they freak out. Yeah. And then their little escape together is so good on the carriage and the, the monsters in the back with the barrels falling down. Like it's kind of holding oh, dude, on I awkwardly. Love that. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> Cracked me up. <laughs> Getting chased after by the townspeople. So that was the big centerpiece scene for me. I loved. I, I really do like this weird, almost buddy comedy vibe that you get from the two of them. Well, yeah, because honestly, it lives more up to like the Frankenstein, it lives more up to the meats. Like it's not called Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. It's right. meats. So it really, the majority of the movie, and this is taking the stretch too, if you're just sort of think, you know, just calling the monster Frankenstein, but just taking the word meats from it. Yeah. They're like just hanging out during the movie. And it's, it's a meat cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, his He's motivation- like, oh man, you've been in this ice for a while. Let me help right. you out, brother. Well, it, 
Yeah, that's what's so, that that is kind of what you get. It is so funny the scene like Larry's motivation of what he's doing there in the town. As I said, it's so clear he just wants to die. Thinks the science can help him do that. But for actually like digging him out of the ice, you you don't really have a beat of like we don't like why is he necessary? Why is he doing that? Like he's I got gather a heart. it right. It's I gather it's to save this who he doesn't know is a person or he assumes is a person, but there's this something so funny about just like, you see this, what I would think it looks like a normal person in ice. It just goes right for it. Break him out. I just thought that was so fun. He's funny. totally unfazed by it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like, Oh man, look at this. There's like maybe a person in that ice. Let me, let me investigate. Oh, sh- it is a person. Well, let me, crack him out of here then he wakes up and he's obviously (laughs) not a person like he's this weird sort of thing and larry just rolls with it he's like okay you you good bro uh can you help me find some papers that'd be really great and then and then the monster does yeah he's like uh over there (laughs) (laughs) so like pretty hilarious right like I love all that. Um, we'll get there's to a some moment of- in that in that scene too, which I cracked me up. <laughs> they get to this section of the of the ruins, and there's like it's kind of like a cabinet that's like under some rubble, and the the monster like points to it and kind of opens it up, and and the monster starts to try to pull things out of it, and Larry's like impatiently standing there, and he eventually just kind of like shoves the monster out of the way, and he's like, I can, let me just get it, and he like grabs a chest and pulls it out. <laughs> right. It's so good. I remember that. Um, there's uh, something we'll get to in Things of Note just kind of greatly informs a lot around uh, the monster's character and sort of how he's relating to everyone else. So we'll get to that. But for now, how it turned out in this version of the film, it's just, this is fun. This is fun. Um, so speaking of the title being meets the Wolfman, like, and to get into our, our big ending here, Tim, like at a certain point, you know, the movie's going and I'm like, you never know with these older films. Sometimes they just feel like they completely don't, hit the promise of the premise you actually want, mm. you know, which is like, where's my verses? Like I'm here. They, they better get to the verses part. And honestly, I was kind of like not knowing whether that was going to happen or not. You know, it was getting pretty late in the movie. So that's where I was at wondering if they were going to verses or not. And then just when they're both tied up and we got the Wolfman turn Larry turning into his Wolfman, seeing that Ilsa, that her name, Elsa is in danger from the monster. And as soon as, you know, the, we see the Wolfman seeing that and trying to break out, I was the most vocal I think like I've ever been in a movie. And like, I can't even remember of just, okay. I, mean, I felt, I felt like I was you, Tim, when you get excited where I was just like, yes, yes. And like started just like having to clap. I was so <laughs> excited. Just when he's like tied up in there and starting to get out and they like give you just enough tension where he doesn't get right out right away. But it gives us just enough time for the monster to like carry her up the set of staircase. So then that, and also this whole time I'm, like like what is their actual battle gonna be like they're just gonna kind of like roar at each other you know like what what can they do like how can they how can they mine their their traits here 
but they did. They made it. It was such a, I hate to use the word, but just such an epic showdown that started with, it was just the perfect start where we have the Wolfman run up the stairs and like grab onto him and pull him from behind back down the staircase. This is so cathartic and exciting. And then we're just off to the races. And quickly we see it becomes like they work with their traits really well where we have the Wolfman's, like the agile one, and then the monster's, the brute strength one. So it's sort of like we see their strategies play out where the Wolfman's kind of is like, hanging back and like getting a height advantage, then jumping on to attack. And then the Frankenstein monster gets in a few swings. And I was just so excited. The whole day. And then meanwhile, we know the townspeople try to blow up the dam that's right behind them. So it just makes it for like the scenario, like the literal set. It's just got everything going for it. I was just thought <laughs> for like a big finale. I was so excited. I thought it was so exciting as just like my favorite moments in everything we watched was getting our versus moments, but moment between these two. I yeah, am that's fairly excited. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> 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 well, clearly I was more in things than you. Um, and then just, you know, there's other little little things going on in this too that I thought were just, that helped me plug into it, I should say. Like, it's sort of become a running thing in these movies where it's like the townspeople, we talked about this in uh, the, the, um, the Phantom of the Opera, I think, where it's like townspeople... Mm are the representative of use brute force, kill the monster and how that usually like will tie into the themes at play, let's say. And that can be frustrating when it's not sort of done with a knowing uh, perspective where you're, you know, as if the filmmakers are almost caught up and like, yeah, that's just what you do. And then something happens. But this, it was so, it really, it got me engaged when they brought up that moment and had that moment of debate where you had the, some of the townspeople, you know, the representative being like basically arguing for the brute force approach. And then we have the other guy, was it the doctor or the mayor? I forget. But basically straight up saying, no, we got to think things through. It's going to take more to kill him this time. You know, we can see he clearly survived this last thing. Like we got to use our brains this time around. Can't just go in with, I think he literally says we can't just go in with brute force or you know, something like that. So just that the movie was on that level of debate was able just to, able just to make me plug into it that much more. I really appreciated that. Yeah. On a thematic level too, I thought it was, cool that in a way they're kind of crossing over the themes of the characters right so you know the wolfman is a cursed monster right like he has gained this curse and and the people around him you know they're they're fighting him over a thing that he has no control over right he's cursed um, and in this, he actually sort of becomes more the victim of science and the experimentation on him. Um, whereas the monster, Frankenstein's monster, kind of becomes more representative of this curse thing where the town just is like, he's just a, he's just a curse. We're cursed by him. The town is cursed by him. Get rid of him. And mm. so you're kind of flip-flopping their thematic uh whatever you call that character 
whatever, like problems. And I think that's really cool. And ultimately, you're kind of you're you're getting to this point where it's not there. They are. Well, they kind of are the problem, but they're not really the bigger problem. Yeah. And in spite of that, they still go after each other. Right. Like they could just like they're pals. They could have just joined forces and like pieced out together. Wait, who are you talking about? The the Wolfman and the Frank okay, Size Monster. Okay. I lost. They could have. You. Okay. But they're I, they're at I the mercy I... of they're at the mercy of everybody else in this movie in a lot of ways. Right. Well, I mean, it's only at that they are working together the whole time. It's only at that way ending when the monsters threatening ilsa but that that's but that is a result of the combination of the town curse sort of mentality and the science stuff coalescing into this moment yeah right like yeah yeah. that wouldn't have happened if everybody had minded their own business Mm -hmm. but like because you have kind of a this yeah this this combination of themes coming together all at once and like external forces ultimately dictating what should happen with the two of them. It gums up the works and it, it doesn't go well. It causes more problems than, than solutions and everybody kind of dies because of it. Well, not everybody, but the two of them presumably suffer the worst consequence through all of that. Had everybody just been like, you know, let them be. Yes, maybe the Wolfman would kill a couple more people. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And maybe Frankenstein would like stomp on some stuff a little bit. Frankenstein's <laughs> monster. But ultimately, they could have buddied up and just like gone off and hung out. Right. I guess all I was saying was like, I get because of like the immediacy of the situation of, you know, he's threatening this woman. Like you get <laughs> yeah. why, and they're both monsters. Um. <laughs> but why does why does the Wolfman in that moment like suddenly care about her? Well, that's that's his Larry part coming through. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's cool. I think yeah, having this sort of the the experiment and the draining and the whatever of all of that fun stuff it's almost like blurring the lines between their good and bad sides. Yeah. But again, that's so, mannering is the Dr. Mannering is the culprit in that case. Mm-hmm. It's him. Uh, you know, he's, he's Dr. Frankensteining it up and like being like obsessive and being like, Oh, look at the, all this cool, cool stuff that we can learn from. It's like, dude, <laughs> calm down it's so funny you talking about all this just makes me realize which you could probably tell from the way i was talking about it but like as soon as we were uh, they are tied up and we were about to break up into the fight scene i just turned back into like a six-year-old boy and i didn't that's <laughs> yeah. all i was thinking about was uh, about to fight like that's fair. everything you're saying i was just not even but none of this is a criticism terms. it's i mean that yeah, it yeah. is the movie like it's no it's i just say it's funny cool. how my mind wasn't even there to be thinking about these other <laughs> right, things going right. on <laughs> well i mean do you just, just sort of nod your head but to a lesser extent with everything i just 
said, I guess. Oh, yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. do you have anything on your on your own that you want to share? I think that's kind of my list. No, I mean that's you're pretty much covering the stuff that I I agree with with pretty much everything you're saying. Um, um, man, I'm trying to think. How, mostly, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good. I have all my all my other stuff is really does fall into what didn't <laughs> work for me. So I'll take this section. You take the next section. Great. All right. So then let's do that. Move into our next section, the Tim section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> well, I I hate to say it, but I really dislike um bella lugosi is the monster oh poor bella poor bella poor it bella just, it's just not his cast like he's such a different persona i was like you're i just felt like it was a huge miss i for so many ways for one man bella should have been the doctor although i get that like just as a as a person, he has his sort of limitations, I I guess, you know, in terms of, um, you know, he struggled with with his accent and stuff like that. And I get it if they're like, man, we don't want we don't want, un, you know, that going on, whatever. But I just felt like he doesn't look right as the monster. Well, they should have just had. Igor be in it again and bring him back for the yeah. third, fourth time or whatever. Yeah, that been that would have been great. Yeah, I would have loved to have Igor, you know, mucking up the works even more in there. <laughs> yeah, you know. So <laughs> but they were that really to... bummed me out. I didn't. I just was. It didn't work for me. Right, but it's funny how they were like, yeah, dealing with the continuity of the last one where Igor gets put inside the Frankenstein's monster, the Frankenstein monster. Oh my so, God. I mean, I don't even remember. I don't even know <laughs> if I've ever seen that one. <laughs> Just watch through all of them. I think you'll get a oh, kick out of it. So, oh boy, that's interesting. Um, it was virtually impossible for me to get past that. Um, and I was just kind of like, you, you, I mean, no, I didn't, I did certainly didn't mention Bell Lugosi's performance in the what worked section. So <laughs> for whatever that's worth, but I certainly am not either going to mention it and what did not work. It just kind of was, I feel like yeah. the monster in this movie really was limited to, um, and I guess for me, not, I mean, yeah, in a sure they could have done more way, but we'll get into that with what, uh, and things of note. But it was sort of like almost this generic Frankenstein monster. Like almost it felt like to me like anybody could have played him was the portrayal kind of thing. And it was just kind of like he did he did it and did fine. And it seemed like, you know, accurate. Uh, so just kind of, yeah, didn't work, didn't not work. But I could see where you're coming from as far as just like it wasn't being milked as much. It did not bother me during it. But now especially like knowing kind of why that all was which I'll get to in things of note, I just forgive it that much more. So whatever. Well, but and I, I think I this, this sort of leads me to what I was touching on at the top of 
it immediately makes me then start comparing it to Boris Karloff and then being like, why isn't this as good as the original movie? You know what I mean? Like I get down the rabbit hole really fast and then I'm like thinking the same thing about, even though I like Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance in this, I'm still kind of being like, yeah, but it's not, it's, it's not as good or it's not the same. And, and then once my brain started going there, I was having a really hard time just appreciating the movie for what it was. And that's on me, right? Like that's not really fair to this movie, but that's just where my brain went. It's so funny because like, I think we really were coming at this movie from totally different angles where you're just looking at it as like a standalone movie just put on and watch frankenstein meets the wolfman this was literally (laughs) like next in my chronology of my watch through of all these movies that i've been doing and i've just been holding off watching it because i think i knew it was you know in our hat so you have bella playing the frankenstein monster it just it's just kind of, for me, it's just kind of more this like, oh, yep, this is the one where he does, like, this is his turn. This is just where he does it because they're always changing. It's all over the place. And when you're watching in that context, it's kind of like I said up front, that's almost part of the weird charm of it all. It's like, this is the one where it's just like, weirdly, the monster looks like Bella Lugosi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I I, re- I mean, I don't have much to to say about this not working for me, but again, coming from this sort of point of view, there was a little bit of this, oh, we're just doing like the redo greatest hits of the better versions of these movies. Mm. And I'm like, I was in middle, like there were, I'm not saying that that's actually true, but I kept Mm -hmm. having this like, I guess trepidation about it. I was like, oh God, like where are we going with this? it's funny because for me, it felt like the sort of retread that you want from the fifth Frankenstein movie where it's like, <laughs> right. sure, if the continuity is over the place with the castle and where it is and what happens to it and wasn't it destroyed way, way more kind of thing. But in those moments of them like sweeping the dust and the rubble off the old equipment, like that's the kind of fun thing that yeah, you yeah. want from the fifth movie where rather in the context right. of being a retread, it's like, oh, uncovering the past and sort of feeling that connection to the first one in this new context. So that yeah. was what I was getting from watching it. Well, maybe maybe part of the issue for me is that like it was so unclear like where and when we are in the world. Like, and that would obviously be helped if I had watched all the other ones beforehand but even the vagueness of like what time period are we in right like larry talbot seems almost too modern of a dude right well you know what just to jump ahead to things of note um because it's directly tied to what you're saying now the times that these the originals take place in are completely different so they just kind of shrugged the filmmakers knew that and just kind of shrugged their shoulders being like Eh, well, it is what it is. Let's hope kind of no one cares or notices. And largely audiences did not care or notice. But they but they say, don't they say you died four years ago or whatever it was? Well, no, as far as like the actual like periods in history they take place, like the Wolfman versus Frankenstein, but okay. like different eras. So that's right, what they right. were just like, well, whatever. So here's my, <laughs> here's my other confusion then, because, you know, 
I have a heart. I want to know those details. And when they're like brushing past them, like pretty loosey goosey, I was like, wait, wait well, a minute. That again, Why that's part, yeah. is Larry Talbot not British? Well, that's <laughs> see, those are like you got to look at it like the context of like these are the original the Friday the 13th where like that right. continuity where you're trying to follow it. But then by the fourth one, you're already like, wait, wouldn't it be like. 2010 right now and it's like 1991 <laughs> like you know and you just start to like but that's yeah. what's so much fun. i don't know just that, that, that again is just part of what's so much fun about them for me like yeah yeah i think having the context of the other films helps you get into that but like just jumping jumping in whatever <laughs> yeah without <laughs> what was what's a good expression i'm jumping in jumping in nude well, Tim, um, you know the uh, I, I, maybe we're we're getting into October here, so maybe you, you'll look at it as an excuse. You could watch them all through. I could, I could do that. <laughs> and then when you get to this one, you could skip it or watch it and fast forward or watch it all over again with a totally yeah. new perspective. <laughs> it does make me think. I know Universal. It sort of attempted to knock on the door of creating a new, you know, Universal Monsters like shared universe. I watched the Wolfman, but not the Dracula, uh, but not yeah, the Dracula one with Tom Cruise. I've watched the Benicio del Toro Wolfman. That's it. The Mummy one is Tom Cruise. Sorry, that's what I meant. It's uh, confusing. They didn't do a great. There job is no Dracula one. It's just the Mummy and the Wolfman are the the only like reboot attempts they did. I guess. Either way, it, it 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 makes me. I like the idea. After watching this, I was like, "Yeah, how would you do, if you wanted to redo that whole world and include everybody in it? Where, like, how do you do that? What does I that think look about like? That. I mean, that I feel like is a thing of note. If you want to get to that section, yeah, sure. Let's let's get into it because I don't have anything else. Great. All right, here we go. Things of note. This should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that is such a fun head scratcher, just a prompt. How would you like reboot the Universal Horror Monster movies? I, um, even though it's not exactly that, it's not the Universal movies, but it sounds like Robert Eggers is still going to do his Nosferatu movie. I Which think that's, yeah, I think that's happening. I think is going to be sort of telling as far as the possibilities of what you can do with making a modern film that's still set in this, like, OG time, you know. Well, that to me is the big question. Yeah. If you're going like, to make a big shared universe, how do you overlap these characters in terms of era? Like, because you, I think it would be silly to make Wait, it so, today or tomorrow, right? Like you it, that it ta- that it all takes place in the you know the present. So just to clarify, you're you're sort of skipping ahead a question. Not only just how do you reboot any of these movies, but how do you reboot them with the intent of eventually tying them together? Correct. Because okay. I think that idea is really exciting. The idea of a shared monster universe, like 
I feel like you just call it, you said it in 1890 and just call it a day. All of them take place in the 1890s, you know, whatever. You figure <laughs> That's it out. Fair. I guess you, you could have... probably get away with that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something, you know, something in that era, circa early 1900s, late 1800s. I mean, could you find some sort of, some sort of main character through line? Like, is there something that connects all of the monsters? The monsters, the characters, like, well, what I are the, what are the, the characters? We, we kind of listed them off. Are we missing any? It's the mummy, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula. The only one we didn't mention the Black was Lagoon. Uh, Phantom of the Opera, I think kind of counts. I mean, okay. Phantom of the Opera, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. Here, like I have Invisible Man. I have the full on box set. I have the full on box set right here. That's eight. Um, yeah, they even throw in. Yeah, they have Phantom of the Opera on here, and then they even throw in the the Bride of Frankenstein, who's just they don't okay. actually get married, but that's her name. Uh, even though she only appears at the way end of Bride of Frankenstein, she's right. on the cover there and has become iconic. So yeah, well, remember that with her that movie eight. that did not work at all. Um, called The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was I based on a comic so excited book, so like, for it. It sounded so cool. It looked so cool. I talk about yeah. early letdowns in my teenage years. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by this this idea. But I do not have an answer like in any way. I'm like, I, mean, I don't know I how that, you make it cool. I feel like how they did it in this one does work like again that was exciting even if the timelines are totally off whatever it could have been like where he's buried for 30 years or you know whatever instead of the 40 i don't know timeline aside the sort of the the physical location is what i don't know that works where it feels like you're going like how exciting to hear and i was really excited in that one oh in this world they they are aware of this Dr. Frankenstein who sort of right. looks at things, has an unconventional approach to things. And that just sort of is already building the anticipation. They go to his town. So just something like that was was great. I don't know. I mm. mean, you could do it. I don't know. You could do it tons of ways. That's why I think I'm just more fixed on the whole, like, how do you also just reboot them at all? But I feel like it's kind of been done in very various ways on, like, the small screen, too. Yeah, you watched the um, Netflix Dracula, I remember. I still haven't I watched really that. I really liked that, actually. But you recommended it, yeah. Yeah. And then we had, I mean, it's old now standards, but as far as in our lifetime goes, it doesn't feel like Bram Stoker's Dracula, meaning the Francis Ford Coppola movie. It feels like mm-hmm. it's modern, you know, in a way, compared to these old, old ones. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'd be cool. I feel like this has kind of been done, sort of, if you take a character like like Van Helsing... Or the descendant of Van Helsing. I know there's a TV show about um, like his great, 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 great granddaughter or something like that. Um, or something in that realm where the myth, the myths of these stories is kind of taken at face value. But somebody decides to go like dig up the truth of like that that spurred these ideas that the that spurred these myths on and in doing so they find like they're looking for totems or something that represent these things you know so like the scarab of Ra for the mummy and you know 
uh, Dracula's actual castle or whatever. Right. Like they go through the these places, and so it becomes this sort of like journey through different realms or worlds in that, modern day. Aren't you just kind of describing the Monster Squad? <laughs> kind of. I'm pretty sure that they, they unleash them, right? Right, but but also what you're talking about, I'm just still trying to maybe, yeah, I thought you were talking about something different because now it sounds like you're pitching a just sort of how do you from the get-go do a revival that includes all these monsters? But I thought we were talking kind of like, I was more talking about like that question of how do you completely reboot these movies and sort of do the Marvel thing where they all get their own standalone yeah. movie and then maybe like that's a better idea. I think the trick is that like you can't, I think the failure of the Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. I do not want to ever see it. So enlighten me. <laughs> it just, I mean, they're just trying to do this sort of like superhero epic scale world's going to be destroyed by this entity thing. And it's like, we just met. You know what I mean? Like we, like we can't jump to world ending event in the first movie and so i think you're right i I almost maybe i totally retract my whole concept previously that you just do each individual's origin story and you find threads to tie them together to like lead you to the next movie and then you get to a point where it's like okay now we've established where everybody came from and how do they tie in together and this is kind of like a larger i don't know sort of filmmaking discussion but when i'm interested in but it's sort of the question of like how how specific into itself do you make that movie and how much when you're making a movie how much are you planning how much context are you giving to it that you will be making another one down the line so like yeah i so kind of as an example like the three new we know we were getting three new halloween movies with this reboot from the get go that's like, it kind of makes you go like, well, then it kind of takes it away. We know there are going to be three of them, but it's a slasher movie. We know he can always come back. So it's kind of forgivable for this one. But then now the same company announced they're rebooting The Exorcist with Ellen Burstein or, you know, it's sequelizing it just like they did with Halloween, getting Ellen Burstein in on it to do like a sequel years later reboot or years later sequel reboot kind of thing. But then they're also saying they want to do three more. And so that's an example for me. It's like Exorcist isn't a slasher movie. Like it's all about the big exorcism at the end. So it's like what we're just going to have progressively bigger exorcisms each time. Like, Like, I don't know. I don't know. It just sounds... And even if that was your plan, I feel like keep it private, you know, it just sort of messes with your expectations. And then, so there's that, just the sort of like, or like what they did with the Ghostbusters reboot. Sorry to to bring it up, but it's like, that's just a good example of a movie that was made where they lowered the stakes because they knew they were, or, you know, quote unquote, knew they'd be making another one afterwards kind of thing. I don't know. So there's that whole angle, but then there's the whole like creative um, look at it too. Like when you make, if you rebooted Frankenstein, Wolfman, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Mummy, you presume like you, how 
how sort of like maybe differentiating filmmakers and approaches do you take towards them and how much overlap do you have with them? Like maybe the continuity is they're all set generally around the same period. So the potential for tying them together is there. But like, I don't know how much flavor do you give each one? And just not being so fixed on like maybe getting ahead of yourself with the plans for how to combine them, but just like, I don't know, setting that intent. So then you just sort of in good faith are always trying to make the best movie at any given step versus like trying to like do this big map. And I don't mean to be dissing on the Marvel movies here, but they are probably applicable to this conversation. Um, anyway, that was a big ramble, but it's it's all just super interesting. Just the thought of like, yeah, setting out to do something where you've, are presuming there's going to be more yet still wanting to make each one unique and the best thing it can be along the way yet also making yeah. sure they're going to connect i don't know any thoughts on all that well i think i mean let's be let's be honest so m- the marvel movies had built-in interconnectivity source material for <sighs> 65 years worth of, of probably more so, so you, the, I think the danger and the and maybe the pitfall of all of this is that you can't do that with yeah. properties that didn't already have that interconnectivity. Well, let's say like you had, yeah, right. But you're as square for se- pegging it, right? But for sequelizing, you did have some source material, like the Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are both pulling material from the original Frankenstein novel. So it's interesting Correct. how they are able yes. to both have that continuity within itself. But yeah, as far as the overlap, that is totally different from the Marvel movies. You'd wonder if they kind of like are viewing, you'd have to sort of view all these that did cross over as like a sort of pseudo canon. I don't I know. Guess, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just looked it up and like there's lots of articles and whatever about this, but uh, the, um, Universal was calling it the dark universe. And it, I, I forgot about this. The first installment of what they thought was going to be the sort of shared universe of the dark universe was 2014's Dracula Untold. I did not see. Oh, so there was a third one. I just thought it was Wolfman and Mummy. Yeah. There's more than three. It's blue. I mean, it was Dracula Untold. And then in 2017, The Mummy, the one with um, Tom Cruise. And then after that, a bunch of internal stuff happened, um, so they didn't really know what was going. But then the Invisible Man that came out in whatever Wait, that was, 2020, the, I think. Okay, the new that one. That was not supposed the... to be part of the Dark Universe as well. Okay, not, the, not Hollow Man. I was thinking of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Hollow Man. I rewatched no, I liked that the, the new, uh, I liked the new Invisible Man a lot. I was I was lukewarm on it. Um, it got it had some cool ideas, um, and so God, it doesn't include the Benicio del Toro Wolfman from maybe whenever because that, that was, was from. even earlier. Yeah, I thought no because so, I saw I saw some like promotional image that was like Benicio del Toro like next to Tom Cruise like something yeah. like that. So well, so, and well, in the Mummy movie. They introduce uh, Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> Funny. Right, right. And his pick, yeah, he was up there too. You know what? My my big note here to, to <laughs> these uh, Hollywood heavyweights making these films, my first note is you don't 
make them out and out action movies. Like, Dude, how about that agree. as a starting point? <laughs> like, what make are you them doing? horror movies. Come <laughs> like on, guys. That, which what are is you doing? cool. That that is cool. That that is kind of what they landed on with the Invisible Man. I think. Sure, you had like your tussle scenes in it, but I think that that comes with the territory with these. But that was, I think, more outright a horror film. Um, anyway, if that one had yeah. come first, things could have been differently. But wait, that that's weird why I keep not thinking that... Okay, I could see it's part of their whole reboot, but if you're going to eventually tie them together, that one would be the odd man out because it's a modern day one. So that's why maybe it surprised me that that was included in that discussion. Right. But anyway. Um, Who knows? Well, I feel like I could talk a lot on all this. It's interesting, but the uh, <laughs> my morbid curiosity, curiosity killed the Ryan, Tim. I want to watch Dracula Untold now just to be like, what the hell I is never it? watched it, so I kind of want to watch it too. <laughs> sure, let's see, watch it, see how terrible it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like that actor whose name is not Luke coming Evans? to me right now. Luke Evans? Yeah, Luke Evans, yeah. He's in uh, um, the Alienist series, I think, that I recommended it at one point. Alienist? Alienist. Yeah, it's um, based on a book. Okay. Well, I had more on... Let's let's rewind to get back to Frankenstein meets the Wolfman here. Okay. Some things of note for this specifically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, originally, Tim... Frankenstein's monster, played by Bell Lugosi, had a voice, which was mm. Bell Lugosi's voice. And he did everything from like sort of explaining some of the continuity that was there from the previous Frankenstein movie, Ghost of Frankenstein, including we didn't even mention it. He's like walking around blind the whole movie. Like his eyes are closed and his arms are outstretched. And that's from going like something that happened in the last one. Okay. So the Bell Lugosi playing the monster he speaks in this original cut and explains stuff like that and maybe you know even had that little discussion of that would kind of a little more support how he could get his help looking for the papers or whatever it was um but the audience reactions to it was apparently they laughed at his hungarian accident but this kind of like confounding thing about that why that doesn't like i don't know why it was maybe just a, maybe that's true but the snap decision that the and it would have had to been a snap decision to just cut it because um, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense when you actually think about it. Like that's, Bella Gosi's voice coming through Frankenstein is what happens at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein. Yet that hmm. wasn't an issue for audiences or the studio then because it would have just been a, the continuation of that where it's just, you know, him as Igor. So this is technically actually Igor is in him, which I guess does kind of, is funny and now it's also casting him in his physical form which wasn't the case for the last one but even if you aren't taking that approach couldn't you just dub it like with another voice if it was really that egregious they did it all the time they still do it i don't know that's Um, interesting so some other things actually that was pointed out um as a great kind of refresher on these films, I highly recommend James Ralph from Cinemasker. He's like over the last 10 years, we'll have this thing called Monster Madness. And I think he's eventually covered all of these old universal films. And his summaries are just these really fun on point, like just little five minute summaries of each film. Keeps track of the continuity and lack in thereof. So that 
he helped me uh yeah he pointed that out but there's some other fun things he mentioned uh so this is the one where where we see Frankenstein, you know, his arms are outstretched because he's blind, which is kind of like the stereotypical way like people imitate Frankenstein. Yeah. So that's specifically from this film, that wow. that idea of Frankenstein doing that. But that means that when people are imitating both Frankenstein and Dracula, they're both imitating they're imitating both the both Bell Lugosi versions of those characters right, so when people right. imitate dracula they're imitating bella Lugosi as dracula and when people imitate frankenstein's monster they're imitating bella Lugosi as frankenstein's monster it's funny um <laughs> weird yeah <laughs> but there was also like the i think it was not just his voice but like the uh dialogue itself like james ralph dug up in the script somehow was like kind of confusing it was like both Igor and the monster's character was coming through the dialogue. And I think how that ended up in the end result ended up being a little confusing. So that maybe helps clarify a little more why they did cut it. Got it. Got uh, it. A thing of note for our dismembering horror, you know, uh, expanded universe here, our connected universe. I think now Bella Lugosi is tied with Sam Neill for each being having three movies we've covered of theirs. So we have the black cat, um, the body snatcher, and this for Bell Lugosi. And then we've talked about our three Sam Neill movies too. So I think there are two leads in uh, most <laughs> featured actors in our show. So it's fun keeping track cool. of that. Uh, Dwight Fry, who is a staple for these, uh, these universal films, he does appear in this one in a bit part, but he was... Renfield in the original Dracula and Fritz in the original Frankenstein. And he just has like a bit part as kind of like one of the townspeople, I think, in this. Okay, cool. But uh, that's just kind of fun. But thing of note, on top of that, sadly, he died of a heart attack at the age of 44. That was just like oh, no. a few months. This was his last movie. It was just a few months after shooting this movie, I believe. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe he had a couple more things in the can, but yeah, it was shortly after this movie uh, he passed away. And, um, oh, and you can uh, go see uh, his uh, plot at Glendale's Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery, which uh, is right by the Warner Brothers lot. If you haven't been, it's worth a trip. Tom Bosley is buried there. Um, <laughs> anyway, I went long ago with a friend who uh, is an expert in all these cemeteries. It was fun. Uh, great. And then... Um, the casting being all over the place of these films, just like a little bit on that just to make everyone more confused. Uh, so we've had, so Lon Chaney Jr. plays Wolfman in this and the original Wolfman, but he also plays Frankenstein's monster in the Frankenstein sequels. And then we have Bell Lugosi, who we've already said, plays Igor in the Frankenstein sequels, but then also, or maybe, yeah, forget the original two who then also now in this one plays Frankenstein. And then, yet also that it's fun, in the original Wolfman with Lon Chaney as the Wolfman, Bell Lugosi is also in that playing the original werewolf that gives the werewolfism to Larry. Oh. He's like really? the, the, the gypsy-looking uh, Bell Lugosi guy. Wow. And then that is... It, so confusing. Then, but then once and then once you get to like the supporting players, it only gets more confusing. So we'll just kind of 
leave it as that. Like Lionel Atwell, who's the mayor in this, plays like, is it like the constable guy in the earlier Frankenstein movie with like the wooden arm? And then he played someone else in another Frankenstein movie. So it's just like, but kid, they kind of made these movies assuming like you weren't gonna have necessarily seen them all or that you never would see them again. So I don't know, just different time, different place. Um, the last little thing I had down was less uh, something on this film, but just want to point out, I get excited whenever they use the word lycanthropy in these movies, which is <laughs> yeah. an actual dictionary word, which is like someone who thinks they're a wolf, like as a condition or whatever. Right. Basically like thinks you have werewolfism. And I just remember, you know, I told you werewolves were my favorite monster as a kid. And when I learned about this word lycanthropy, like in the, the third grade or whatever, I just, it was my favorite word. I'd try to always make it my Scrabble word. If you had to pick a random word for like a word game, I was always picking lycanthropy. So uh, I one time told my aunt that I had lycanthropy and like had her going still to this day. It's because she's gullible. So I just have a close relationship and affinity with the word lycanthropy and it's made me really happy for it to be in this movie. Well, I'll tell you what, with them mutton chops, you got rolling on your <laughs> face right now and your long hair. All you need is a couple fangs, you know, <laughs> maybe paint your nose a little darker. <laughs> Great. You got it going on. <laughs> I'll convince you yet. I'll convince Open me that, that shirt up. Yeah. Let that chest hair flow. I can too. Great. Well, Halloween's coming <laughs> up. So noted. And that is the funny um, thing, though. The wolf, the flat-faced <laughs> wolf men are never my favorite. Anyways. So I have a, a question to posit to you that you don't need to answer, but I think it's something interesting to think about. Do the universal monsters require that they take place in this sort of medieval or post-medieval gothic realm? era specifically or can you take the essence of their stories and put them in any time um i guess i i look at it as a matter of taste because i think you can capture their essences and put them into modern time you know, it's in a, that. That's actually part of the fun. It could be like a modern day person going to Dracula's castle, and you know, being in that context, and it's a new angle on it. But that, for me, is the down the line angle. That's the Monster Squad in the eighties, way after these okay. films. Like taste wise, I so heavily associate the era and the setting with just what I want from these movies. Graveyards don't look like that anymore streets don't look like that anymore people don't wear those clothes anymore people have cell phones now like all that like i i yeah maybe that i'm just sort of looking at your how you're posing it kind of is i can only think of it in reboot terms like we are already talking about so as maybe that way to put it if they were going to reboot them i would want them to be in the old timey time versus uh modern era how about you okay. That's fair. I agree. I think it's a matter of taste. I think part of what I think is fascinating is you, these stories, these characters are so a part of the sort of the 
the greater like horror just what's the word um collective understanding like they're they've they've surpassed like everybody knows who each of them are just in inherently or implicitly i guess is the word god it's so i'm sorry i just gotta say like real quick as soon as you say, hold sorry hold that thought but like now i'm just flipping out how exciting it would be to set them in the modern era so like i really don't know i i could get on board with both please continue well so what i what i my feeling is kind of a mixture of the two realities like this association we have with the gothicness of all of this um and the era whatever that they all kind of live in if you're going to do the specifics calling them by their names characters i think i side kind of with you you want to you want to lean into the source material of where they came from right like that but, is dracula it's not just correct. a vampire but to tell the story of frankenstein or the story of dracula and the characters within or the story of the invisible man etc etc i think is no pun intended universal enough that you could actually retell those stories in modern day just as the essence of what happens and yeah. use the modern sort of world to support the the essence of those stories of what right. those characters are going through but not have them be literally frankenstein it, and frankenstein's it becomes, monster for me it becomes like a question of like story versus technology like how like in this the the story sense. Think about how fun it would be in a modern money mu mummy movie to, to sort of have like you know snidey archaeologists who are just like skeptic blah 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 with their iPads and cell phones like getting up front with the mummy. You know. Uh, yet also though, the technology. What I mean by that is just the technology and filmmaking. Like, like, look what we have nowadays. As far as like, like, imagine actual like money behind one of these movies recreating like a castle in its prime, or these sets, or these villages, or like actually good effects and all that, and being able to like do that with that new coat of paint, modern paint, and all that we can do now. Uh, that's also exciting. And again, like to sort of both worlds, like you think of even it's more of a, it's an action adventure movie, the Brendan Fraser mummy movie. But like, that's a good example of a more modern <laughs> mummy movie with, uh, but that's set a, a while ago. So it's like you have mm -hmm. the fun of just sort of like, you feel a bit more connected to that period when they're all like wearing the clothes they're wearing and it's set <laughs> yeah. when they're set. You know, it's, I don't know. And it's a certain kind of adventure that you could only do if it's that set in that set in that time. Yeah, uh, certain kind I mean, of escapism. So I don't know, man. I could always feel like I could argue it one way or the other. I like the idea of distilling it down to really small stories that are, in essence, the same story, but live in their own total world, like singular world. So like, you know, for example, just as because I read a lot of comic books, you know, The Incredible Hulk is a distilling new version of dr jekyll and mr hyde right it's a total reimagining of that but it is at its core distilled from that 
And so I am curious to think about how you could distill each of these into their own kind of thing, like a, a, in and put them in modern day worlds. Like where where should Frankenstein exist if you're doing a new Frankenstein story, right? Like, is it like the Gothic South? You know, like, like where, where, where would be appropriate for Dracula? Right. But not so actually, maybe you know what I mean. Like, I don't know how to to parse this out, but so it's 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 kind of interesting what you're saying. And maybe this is a way to parse it, like, because you know, you say how do you do it now, and I just think of all the modern Frankenstein movies we do have. I just recommended uh, Frankenhooker, which is a great as like a you know 1990 <laughs> yeah. or whatever set one. Um, or, you know, we, this is so funny. We're doing another Frankenstein movie. It was just a few episodes ago. We did the, uh, hammer horror first Frankenstein movie, curse of Frankenstein. Um, so when you're talking about like distilling the spirit of something, I think it's interesting to sort of like you, let's say the original Frankenstein movie has a spirit to it. That's tied to the monster, all that stuff plug into that spirit were, you know, so that that would not be a Franken hooker movie, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then how do you do it? Yeah, if you're gonna set it modern day, like exactly like you said, you just kind of threw out their gothic south. It's just sort of, I think, yeah, using that. Yeah, what am I trying to say? Like it's a matter of you're plugging into the original film as a constraint, but then also using a constraint of being able to set it in modern time. I just think that's that's interesting. Um yeah. Here's another example of of how th- this what I'm kind of driving at. You know, West Side Story is uh Romeo and Juliet. Right? They're the same story. Yeah. And specifically, like not not accidentally, like they <laughs> West Side Story is a musical version of Romeo and Juliet, but it's set in New York City at a particular era, like they're changing enough of the sort of trappings of the story for another kind of effect to sort of speak to some other thing that that also ties into the original, but is not the original. You know, like there's something really fascinating about that idea of doing that. And, you know, it's been done, you know, for uh, another example, let's say the, the TV show Sons of Anarchy is very much predicated on the same exact structure as Hamlet. But it's a sh- it's not Hamlet. I mean it is Hamlet, but it's it's Hamlet on motorcycles in California in modern day, right? Like so can I, you and, and it it has been done. I just can't think of any you know that come to mind exactly, but like I guess Reanimator is essentially Frankenstein, right? Yeah. On its sleeve, so, you know. What? I said on its sleeve, like like you said with the other ones. It's not being shy or anything. Yes, very much so. So there's something really interesting about this idea of like, what would your version of that, of any of these be if you were going to do them? And I think that's really cool to like go down that rabbit hole. I, well, I've never really thought about it. Here's another way maybe to parse it is like you go... What is the core, like, moral conflict at the heart that right. the monster and story represents? And then you go, where does that feel like it can be the most sort of powerful and prescient 
in a modern day setting. Like I think the yeah. reanimator, reanimator and Frankenhooker and even um, Frankenweenie are just sort of more like fun what ifs. But mm-hmm, to do a mm-hmm. like a, a the Frankenstein movie, you know, a straight up just call it Frankenstein, you know, again, that's I think you do have to think, well, what is the how do you sort of go big or go home versus more just sort of looking at it as a what if and go big and yeah. go home? What I mean, in relation to whatever that core sort of question or morality play that's at play. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea and thing to explore. Ugh. I wish we were just <laughs> all the money in the world, Tim, or just had friends at Universal. It'd just be so fun to actually get to experience this playground. Maybe we're just like 50 years shy of just being able to like plug in our brains and make a movie appear or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But I just, oh God, I, I just, it would be so much fun to figure this all out. Like I still think about when I'm like, you know how much I love the black cat that we watched. And I still think about like, yeah. Could you? Would you want to reboot this? How would you reboot this? I just, yeah, still think of that all. God, even thinking about like, how do you, tr- how do you cast a, what are modern actors that somehow get at what you want from these? Oh God, it's so cool. So interesting. But I guess yeah. we can fall back on too, just for right now, if it's kind of end on the note, what we, how you originally posed the question here, even though we ended up circling back around to this whole reboot of, yeah, there is something just kind of cool about, uh, the original old timey setting. So cool, dude. Anyway, that's all I got. Yeah. Let's, uh, move on to some recommendations wind down here. Well, I just looked and I have not recommended the alienist and I'm shocked. It's based (laughs) on one of my favorite books called the alienist by Caleb Carr. Yeah. It didn't sound familiar. Yeah. That blows my mind. It's a great, great book. Read the book. But they did, uh, I think it was TNT maybe? I'd have to look it up. You can find it easily. But they did a, a, a series based on the first book, and I believe they did a second season based on the second book, which I have not watched yet. But the first, it's great. It's a great story. And it's based on... Like Caleb Carr was a historian in New York City, uh, a New York City historian. And so it's it's got all this factual stuff about the era and it takes place right at the end of the 19th century in New York. And it's about a serial killer and it's super cool and you should definitely watch it and or read the novel or both. Cool. I Yeah, never heard of it. Sounds interesting. Um, stuff I've been watching recently, I revisited, I'd been wanting to revisit Moneyball. I'm sure you've oh, seen yeah. that. It's a baseball movie. Not Great. like me to seek out a baseball movie, Tim, but Bennett Miller, who made this film, he made Foxcatcher also. Mm. Yep. And I just think he's like, even though he's like in the 2010s, I think has only made the Capote, but he's only has those three movies he made. I feel he's like, I think just one of the most interesting gifted filmmakers active right now, but only makes things at that sort of glacial Kubrick uh, pace. Um, interesting. But anyway, if someone can get me into baseball like this movie did, I was so into it. I'm glad I revisited it. I think it's a great, great film. He's a great director. So uh, check out Moneyball if you haven't. Cool. All right. Your turn to pull, Tim, for next week. What are we watching? Here we go. I'm pulling right now. Kaboom, this one. It is called Horror Stories. It's from 2012, and it's South Korean. 
so great. This is uh, actually, it's an anthology movie, South Korean horror anthology film. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a good one amongst them. I'm always so skeptical. Uh, yeah. Anthologies but, hey, are interesting. That's exactly what we're here for. We're here to dig through it all so you can ideally be with us. But if not, you don't have to. We're doing the dirty work for you. It's yes, part of the sir. fun, as I said. All right. Well, with that, you can find us wherever you found us. Our big ask, if you uh, made it this far and enjoyed being here, please uh, let a friend know. They should check out this podcast if they're a like-minded friend. Great. And, um, well, in, in further closing then, uh, whether you're Team Frankenstein or Team Wolfman, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Good boy. <laughs>